Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be career issues. Well, I've got two emails from two different guys that I'm going to go through today, and they've kind of got similar problems. They've got their fears that are getting in the way of doing what they want to do, and plus, they don't doesn't sound like they really have a great strategy in their career to go about creating the life and lifestyle that they want. And so they bring up a lot of good points because I do a lot of phone sessions with clients that are kind of in a similar position trying to figure out what their purpose is, what they want to do with their life. Maybe they're already working, but they're not really that jazzed up or excited about what they're doing. So with that said, I got a quote on this particular topic and because I, I know it's a big issue for a lot of people that watch my videos. So we're going to go through the quote and then we're going to go through each email one by one and help them with career strategy. One of the guys wants to – has a business he's been thinking about starting and the other guy is kind of entrepreneurial as well. So I know, I know a lot of people that watch my videos are kind of the same boat. They're trying to advance in their career and it happens. I know what it's like to work for other people and sometimes you hit a wall and – you feel like you can't advance and sometimes the people that you work for, I mean, let's face it, they're fucking assholes and they want to keep you stuck where you're at. And so you're faced with a decision. Do you just suck it up and keep putting putting up with it month after month, year after year, hoping things are going to change, hoping that they're going to recognize your talent and give you the things that you want? Because remember, all of us, all human beings, we tend to project what is inside of us onto other people. And so if you've got a manager, somebody in a management position, it's not a very good manager, and they got somebody that works under them that, I mean, let's face it, we all can recognize talent, somebody that's really sharp, somebody that's going to go for the things that they want, somebody that's, I mean, if you're going to be in business, ideally, you want people that are smarter than you and better than you and more passionate about the things that you either suck at or don't like or don't want to do. And that's the key to building a really great team and sometimes in life we're all going to encounter people that are going to be jelly jealous jelly jello jealous and envious of us and our success and our abilities and they're not going to handle it too well and you got to be able to recognize when that happens and when it's time to start looking for a job at another company or whether or not you can make some kind of lateral move or talk to them. And like, you know, the first guy, he's talked to his manager several times and it's like he was moving up and then he just kind of hit the ceiling there. So I'm going to point out some things that are really important to consider because whether you work for yourself or you work for other people, the number one priority should be in your life is to acquire new skills, develop new skills, develop your talents, and also to grow your reserve of knowledge. Because the more skilled you become and the more you develop your talents and the more you grow your reserve of knowledge, the more you're competent that you become at things or several things. I mean, being successful is not just one thing. It's about being good at several things and stacking those talents, if you will, to borrow a term from Scott Adams that he calls the talent stack. It doesn't mean you have to be necessarily great at one thing, but good at several things. And by stacking those skills and those talents together, you can increase your income earning potential because whether you work for somebody else 
or you work for yourself, your job is to add value through some kind of product or some kind of service or a combination. In my particular case, I've got products and I've got services. Obviously, the products being my books and my mugs and t-shirts and things that you can get on teespring.com. Obviously, my two books, How to Be a 3% Man and Mastering Yourself. And so, I mean, both these books are going to apply and what we're talking about today. But I'd say the main one, like both these guys, I would definitely recommend they read Mastering Yourself because it's obviously, both these guys came to me originally because they had dating and relationship problems. And now that they've got into it and they've got into the work, that area of their life has improved. And now they're really going to be more concerned with what's in my book, Mastering Yourself. And the book, Mastering Yourself, is more, it's an autobiography basically of my career path and what I went through. Because you're going to encounter things, whether it's business or working for other people, you're going to get to a place in your life, your career, or, or different jobs that you're going to work throughout your career where the internal enthusiasm is just not going to be there anymore. It's not going to be what it once was. And you've got to figure out, do I make a lateral move? Is there another opportunity in the company? Or does that mean it's time for me to move on to a completely different company so I can continue growing my reserve of knowledge, continue developing my talents, and continuing to grow your skills. And both my books, you can read the ebook version for free on my website, Understanding Relationships, and that's Relationships with an S. All you have to do is when you get there, upper right-hand corner of any page on the website, if you're on a desktop computer or if you're on some kind of a mobile device, the first thing you're going to see is the email newsletter sign up. All you have to do is put your name and your email in there. And as soon as you submit, you'll go right to the members area and you can start reading right away. So because I see sometimes people email, like, hey, I ordered, just ordered your book and it's going to be here in a week or two. It's like you can go and start reading the digital one right now. If you're watching this video, you can pause the video, go to understandingrelationships.com, put your name and your email in the little email sign-up box and submit it and instantly you can be reading. There is no excuse. Because like when I see that, somebody's they, they're waiting on a hardcover. I mean it might take you a week or two depending where you are and what country you're in to get the book. And you literally have instant access to these materials and these resources. I want you to start now. It's like why waste a week or two waiting when you can start learning and reading this stuff right now? Especially maybe you're skeptical and you think, who is this fucking guy with this weird colored vagina-esque background? And by the way, this background here behind me is supposed to be a diamond pattern. And somebody made the comment, hey, Corey, it looks like a bunch of vaginas. So... It's like, you know, it's the pink color right now. I, I had it flipping through different colors. I can call it the Great Wall of Vagina. I'm sure you heard of China, the Great Wall of Vagina. I thought that was funny. But anyways, this, this just because I see people asking about it, what it is, it's, it's, you know, these panels are acrylic and they're cut with a CNC machine and it has a recess in it with LED lighting behind it. And you can fix it on one color. You can have it flash through different colors. Obviously, I've got it rolling through different colors now. Why well, I typically lock it on one color like the blue is because that tends to work the best because sometimes when it rotates through different colors, depending on the shirt I have, it just messes with the autofocus on the camera. So, And I got these made. There's a company in Orlando called Teeter Works, T-E-E-T-E-R, 
WORKS.com. And they do all kinds of really cool custom designs. I had four different wall designs done in my new place, and they're really badass, and they look great on camera. And I'm not going to show you them all at once, but, you know, over time, I, you know, slowly let you guys see some of the other panels that are there. But what I like about this particular room in my place is I got all my camera equipment and everything set up. So I could just basically sit down, turn the camera on, and start filming. And, you know, unlike the place I had on the beach where it's like every time I want to do a video, I got to roll the lights out there. I got to roll the camera out there. I got to roll my sound panels out there, get it all set up, play with the lighting because, you know, you're dealing sometimes with daylight, sometimes at nighttime. And, you know, it just creates a lot of problems. But here, you know, it's like a nice closed environment. So it makes it quick and easy to sit down and do a video when I need to. So there's some background information. But, you know, go check out teeterworks.com. Really, T-E-T-E-R-W-R-K-S.com. If you're interested in these kinds of things, they're based in Orlando. And uh, they just they may really make a neat, you, you know, this, this particular wall, I'm like the only one that has this particular design. I just thought this is so cool. So hopefully you guys, you know, obviously you guys like because I see a lot of people love in the background. And so that's what it is. So with that said, let me go through, let's, I'm going to read this quote and I'm going to jump into the first guy's email. And the quote says, human beings have two primary fears. Fear that we aren't enough, or in other words, fear that we don't have what it takes to succeed and fear that we won't be loved and accepted by our friends, family, or peer group. Fear only exists in the mind. Fear is a false story that we tell ourselves to protect our ego from rejection, heartbreak, pain, and the consequences of failure. However, in order to reach your full potential, you have to accept that failure is simply a necessary stepping stone to accomplishing your grandest goals and dreams. You're going to fail more than you succeed and get rejected more than you are accepted and celebrated. And it's going to take longer than you think to succeed. Think in terms of decades. Great things take decades, not weeks, months, or years. When you embark on your journey and take action towards what you want, you're going to encounter resistance and haters who try to discourage you because those same people don't have the courage, determination, and resolve that you do for their own dreams. It's really super important because people that are around you, when you really start going for the things you want in life, even if you've been out of shape your whole life and you start working out and taking care of yourself, you're going to have people that are going to fucking make fun of you. Because they're not taking care of their own bodies. And they see you starting to look good and look better. And they're not. And so the way they make themselves feel better is by labeling you and trying to make you feel bad. And other times when people see you succeeding and you're climbing the ladder of success, so to speak, and they're not going anywhere, they also are going to fear losing you. And they're going to try to drag you and hold you down. Because you're like a mirror to them. You're a reflection of what they could be and they don't have the guts or the courage or the determination to go for it. You are not responsible for the opinions that others have of you. You're only responsible for what you do, what you allow, and how you show up in life. So with that said, let's go through the first guy's email. Corey, first I want to thank you for what you do. I got really involved with your work after being broken up by a fiancé. 
I watched some of your videos before it happened and I knew what to do. I never contacted her again. She didn't, she didn't end up coming back, but I'm glad I walked away. Now I'm doing really well with women and it's almost something I don't really have to even worry about. And now that I've read the book six times, which I'm still going to keep reading, I've run into somewhat of a wall in my career. And so what typically happens is, you know, the average person, I see probably 90% of the people come to me, they got some kind of challenge in their relationship life. And they read the first book, How to Be a 3% Man, which is this blue one here with this beautiful shaved head bastard. And, you know, it's, what's interesting is as your personal life starts to get better, you know, if your career was going great and your personal life was kind of not as great as your professional life, and then you take your personal life up a few notches, Maybe the quality of women that you date is better. Then you start to recognize that the career actually isn't so great after all. And it's kind of, that's what you see as you work on these different areas of your life. And then, you know, you get your relationship going well. Maybe you get your career going well. But your peer group is a bunch of unsupportive people that are always fucking negative. Well, then you work on your social circle and expanding your social circle and making new friends, like-minded friends that are going to celebrate and push you forward. It's kind of like as you grow in your level of consciousness where everything's polarity consciousness, you know, us versus them type of mentality, which most of our society is involved in, you start seeing things more unified or unity consciousness, which I talk about in the second book, Mastering Yourself. Is that as you do better, you want to help and you want to see other people doing better. But the reality is any of you that have recommended any of my books and your friends roll their eyes and they keep making the same mistakes, it's, you know, some people you can't reach. They're just, they're not open to it. You know, it's just like somebody that's got an addiction or a drug or an alcohol problem. If they don't recognize they have a problem or maybe they overeat. You know, you, you, we see all this on TV all the time, all this body positivity moment movement where hey it's you know it's beautiful to be fat and unhealthy like there was there was a a woman i don't know a month or two ago she was 49 years old body positivity person she fucking died of a heart attack at 49 i mean come on i mean it's like making excuses for people that aren't taking care of themselves like no you're fucking fat it's not healthy i was overweight at one point in my life and you know if you've seen any of the pictures i had on, on my website some of the, i think it was the health articles that i did uh, rediscover the fountain of youth or something one of those articles i did many years ago you can see a picture i had no fucking neck i'm in the back of a limo with a buddy of mine and it's like and i wasn't fucking healthy and i wrote about the health challenges that i had you know this is going back 20 fucking years ago so i like being thin and in great shape and I feel better and I look better and I've never gone back. And, you know, this nonsense about body positivity and, you know, it's great to be fat and fat is beautiful. Fuck that shit. That, that's ridiculous. It's just, it's not healthy. It's making an excuse for being lazy. And I know it's fucking harsh, but it's reality. Because if you don't take care of your body, you're going to fucking die many decades before you should be. And that's, that's reality. And I'm all about people reaching their full potential. And you can't reach your full potential if you're fucking dead of a heart attack at 49 years old. That's just, it's absurd. So he says, now I've run into somewhat of a wall in my career. I'm working at Chick-fil-A a little over two years. So 
let me say something about the fast food industry because when I was 18 years old, when I was in high school, I worked this place that you know, I think it's long since gone out of business. It was called Cisco's Chicken. And I, I think I worked there about three months. It was when I was a senior in high school. And we served like um, chicken. You cut it up and you serve it. And they had different sides and things of that nature. And I can kind of relate to what this guy's going through because I, I really enjoyed cutting up chicken because we had this big meat cleaver. And you, so, you, you know, you have this big, long um, fork thing. We had these big, giant grills. And so you're, you, you marinate these whole chickens and they're kind of cut open, spread laying on the grill and you flip them over and and then when you pull them off you chop them up and you know you put them in the the containers just for the customers and i enjoyed that but the manager there always pretty much made me run the cash register and yet even though I, I preferred to cook it was a lot more fun to me and she always made me run the cash register and when i asked her about it she's like well quite frankly when you're not on the cash register it the drawer comes up fucking short you know, whether people are stealing or they're just fucking stupid and can't count money back. And so I got stuck there doing a, you know, a job that I didn't like because I enjoyed cooking. And one of my high school buddies, we worked there together. And so it was fun when we cooked together because we joke, we laugh around. It was a blast. And it really took away from my enjoying the job being stuck in the fucking cash register. Just so, you know, because she cared about her drawer not coming up short. And so after three months, I was like, fuck this. I left and, you know, that's when I went to service merchandise, and that, which I wrote about in Mastering Yourself, just because I wanted to have more fun. I wasn't enjoying it. And then so I left and after working for three months, I think I got, what was I making? It was like three eighty-five an hour or something like that. And then service merchandise paid me like four twenty-five an hour, which, you know, today, that's this 30 years later. It's not a lot of money. But, you know, back then it was a lot of money to me. High school kids just gave me more beer money. Gave me money to put gas in my car and buy stuff that I wanted. So you got to recognize when, you know, sometimes other people have their own motivations. It's like if you can't move forward and you talk to them, you know, it's just like dating somebody. You're dating somebody and they're not treating you the way you want to be treated and you ask them in a loving way. It's like, hey, I, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would do X. And then they just keep doing what they were doing before. And eventually, after you've had a, you've talked to them a couple of times, you get two choices. You either accept it and put up with it, or you say, I'm going to leave and find somebody else or find another job. You got to recognize that because at the end of the day, your progress, your goals, your dreams, you've got to keep moving forward. And you can't sit around and wait on somebody else to give you an opportunity if they're not willing to give you that opportunity. You're, you think about it. You're, you're in charge of your free agency, if you will, for your career. And if you're not advancing, sometimes it's better to go to a different organization and team that is willing you to, to give you the opportunity you want. And then coming in the door, you can tell them what you're looking for, especially when you're talking to three or four different employers. And then you pick the best option. I go in extensive detail in mastering yourself and negotiation for your salary, how to get multiple job offers so you can be in a situation of abundance. And then those different employers can bid for your services, just like any high-paid free agent when they come off of their rookie contract and they've proven what a great player they are in whatever sport they happen to play. If you got no offers... 
and you're just hoping to have a job, you know, you're in a scarcity mindset and you're in a weak mindset and you're in a weak place from a position of negotiation and that's going to work against you and that's going to inhibit you getting what you want. So he says, I'm working here because I love the company, the people, and the customer service. It's like, that's one thing Chick-fil-A does a masterful job. Their service is fucking unbelievable. He says, I want to start a yard services company, but I was offered a position as a corporate trainer. Remember, you always look at what people do, not what they say. I thought it would be a great way to learn how to train employees in my business, so I thought I would do it for a few years to grow as a leader. Well, that's great. However... The one thing you got to consider, whether it's McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or any of those places that pay somewhere around minimum wage, that's an entry-level type of job. And unless your career is you want to work in corporate or maybe someday you want to become a franchisee, you know, those are entry-level jobs. You see a lot of people complaining about hourly wages. It's that should be a stepping stone. I worked at fast food when I was 18 years old. And, you know, when you're middle-aged working for something like that, I mean, you're going to learn a certain set of skills, but that's you're going to get paid what you're going to get paid. You're trading dollars for time. And if you're not learning anymore, if you're not growing your reserve of knowledge, you're not developing any of your talents or your skills, how you can't earn more money other than hoping that they're going to be generous and give you a little bit of a raise every year. But at the end of the day, the more skills you acquire, the more you develop your talents, and the more you grow your reserve of knowledge, the more valuable you are to an or- any organization because you can do more things. And so that's that should be priority number one, no matter where you are in your career path. It's always acquiring new knowledge and always acquire improving your skills, adding to your skill set, developing whatever natural talents you happen to have. Because that's what makes you an attractive employee. That's what makes other employees or companies, I should say, want to seek you out and hire you away. But if you just get a job and you learn those set of skills and that's it, and you want to get up and go to that same job every day, unless you're completely in love with it and passionate about it, You should always be thinking about the next thing. He says, I started working on it about a year ago and I've learned many positions in the store. I was ready to apply, but the operations director said she thought I should work on the headset first before I go for it. I agreed, but it's been six months since then and it's been moving ultra slow. I learned one side of the headset since then, but haven't really been given the opportunity to learn it completely. I've asked twice in the last three months, but it just doesn't seem to make it on the schedule. Well, I'll ask him one more time. And, you know, this, this just kind of sounds like you got stuck in the same way I was, got stuck at the fucking cash register when I was 18. And I really love cooking, but I was great at the cash register as well. And pretty much everybody else I work with sucked and it always came up short. So I always got stuck in the cash register. And that wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't compelling, even though I was great at it. I didn't enjoy it as much as cooking. And so therefore, I just started looking around for another job. And it was funny. When I got the job at Source Merchandise, and they were, they were paying me four twenty-five an hour when I had been making like three eighty-five, dollars It was just a little bit above what minimum wage, I think, was at the time. And she's like, well, I'll push for $4 if you'll stay. I'm thinking, you're going to pay me $0.25 cents an hour less, and I'm going to sit here and be stuck at the cash register all the time. I was like, 
she wasn't even listening. It's like she, she didn't care what I wanted. She cared about what she wanted. She cared about having me stuck in a cash register because it made her life and her job easier. And I mean, it is what it is. So obviously <laughs> I left. And you got to think about that. If if you're not, if your idea is that you want to be a, be in the Chick-fil-A business and maybe be a manager or I don't know if they do franchise or it's all owned in-house. I'm not too sure about the company, but unless you're absolutely in love of working it and you want to be an owner or a shareholder or work in corporate someday, this is a stepping stone. This is an entry-level job. Obviously, this guy is young, but you know this thing happens as well when you're earning six-figure income and you hit a ceiling and you got other things you want to do and the manager likes where you're at likes you where you are because it makes their job easier because they've got other employees that are not superstar employees and they'll stifle your growth and you got to learn to recognize it you know this guy's already asked twice nicely and i'd ask one more time and if it doesn't change in the next few weeks you should be looking for another job he says, it makes me unsure if they even want me to do it anymore. Well, like I said, it's probably the manager likes keeping you there because you're good at that. And maybe you're probably better at it than the rest of the people there. And, you know, they got their own motivations. And you're at the end of the day, you're you are the agent who represents yourself. And so in, in essence, you got a team that won't allow you to grow. And so either they give you an opportunity to grow like they promised or you should be looking for something else. He said, it's harder to pay the bills and I'm tempted just to go in business with the equipment I have. Anyway, I'm just kind of lost in what to do. I'm scared to lose the opportunity to train, but I also almost feel used. I would really appreciate your thoughts. So I wouldn't up and quit your job, but if you have the equipment to do, I think it was a lawn service or something along those lines, there's no reason why you can't start that part-time. Get a few clients, maybe, you know, because Chick-fil-A, I believe, is just is an hourly type of thing. So as you get busier with your side business, because what do you got to do if you're in business? You got to get one customer. And when you get one customer, you got to do a great job for that one customer. And then as you do a great job for that one customer, say, hey, if you got any friends or family that are also appreciate the level of service that I offer, you know, give me give me their name and number, I'll be happy to follow up with them for you. And then you get a second customer and a third customer and a fourth customer. And then eventually you grow that and then you can get start get, you know when you get too many customers, when you're making more money at your side job, then you know so in other words, as your business grows, you're going to reduce your hours at Chick-fil-A and eventually be able to leave that and as you get more and more business more than you can really handle on your own then guess what it's time to hire somebody and you know hiring people you gotta what's important about running your own business you got to get good at identifying people that are really good that are reliable that will show up and do a great job for you and then you can manage and you grow it into ultimately a business that maybe you can sell someday so I would say regardless of what happens with where you're at now, you should be looking at starting this other business on the side and do it on your days off. And like I said, as you get busier, you're just going to take less hours at Chick-fil-A until eventually you can say, see ya. But in the meantime, I'd be looking around at maybe other companies that you can go work for that you can put your skills to, to use, maybe in a regular restaurant, maybe waiting tables or something like that. Because I promise you, if you 
wait tables in a regular restaurant, especially a nice restaurant that serves, you know, because think about the, you know, waiting tables or tending bar, the bigger the check. I mean, most people tend to tip 20% here in the States. I know in a lot of places in Europe, it's all included in there. But at the end of the day, if your average check is $30 versus $100, it's really the same amount of work. And so you want to work smarter, not harder. And so the more expensive the food is that you're serving, obviously there's going to be an, you know, a greater level of service. You're going to earn more money for doing the same amount of work. It's like work smarter, not harder. It's kind of like what uh, what's her name? AOC. She worked at a as a bartender at a place that I, what I hear is is since gone out of business. It's like it didn't dawn on her to take her skills and go work at a restaurant that had a higher end clientele and had a higher check, so she could earn more money. Instead, she thinks it's now the now that she's in government that she's gonna control what the private sector has to pay its employees because she's a fucking idiot and doesn't have the skills to negotiate on her behalf and just go work at a restaurant that pays more i mean you're in charge of your own destiny that's what i would do if if i were you but don't just keep sitting around waiting for them to take care of you because it doesn't sound like they're going to do it so let's go to the second guy's email. It says, hey, coach, just wanted to start by thanking you for what you do. I find it unbelievable how accurate your information has been and have turned many of my friends onto your work. I've listened to your book about eight times on Audible and honestly think I need to keep listening because I find myself making mistakes still and I'm very grateful to have your work to refer back to and keep me on track. Repetition is a mother of skill until you stop making those basic mistakes and you because it's not – got to learn the knowledge – but the most important thing is you have to apply it. And when you apply it consistently, that's what grows your skills. That's what grows your talent. And when you see that things work, that is what's going to give you confidence to do more of it. People that just read the book and watch tons of videos and they never really apply it, it's you can't get any better if you're not practicing this stuff. You gotta get real world experience. Otherwise, it's just theory. I find it unbelievable. Oh, whoops. Let's see. Go scroll down a little further. My question is this. I'm a 26-year-old music enthusiast. I play, write, produce, and consume music constantly, but I feel like the biggest frustration in my life is that same fear most people have of not being accepted or liked by others or being good enough. And it keeps me from fully pushing my music out into the world. So in other words, two primary fears, just like I talked about in the quote, fear that you're not enough, in other words, you don't have what it takes, and fear that you won't be loved, accepted by your friends, family, and peer group. Well, everything takes time. Everybody that's a great musician was once a novice. That's reality. Repetition is a mother of skill. The more you do and you practice something, especially when you love it and you're passionate about it, you'll put the time in versus somebody who's just, hey, that's kind of a great little hobby. I got a little guitar and I play but they're not really serious about it. If you're actually composing music, I mean, obviously your level of passion is more extensive than somebody that's, you know, learning other people's songs and playing at home or whatever, doing karaoke or something like that. When you're actually writing music, producing it, recording it, your level of passion obviously is more than the average person. That tells me that that's innate. It's natural. 
you know, I play guitar a lot in my life. I took lessons when I was in high school. I took lessons when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. I basically learned songs that of favorite musicians of mine and enjoyed playing, but I was never going to go out and play gigs. I played, you know, I jam a little bit with some friends, but, uh, you know, my passion, I love music, but I was never passionate enough that I wanted to, to earn it as a living. But I enjoyed learning guitar and mastering electric and 12 string and regular acoustic guitar but that's as far as it went for me so the reality is is that a lot of people are going to tell you how bad your music sucks and there'll probably be some that'll go hey i really love this and you're not writing music for them you're writing it because it's something that stirs in your soul it's something that comes internally and you have to get it out into the world. And that's the important thing. Obviously, you're going to take feedback, but the reality is when you start putting, I mean, creative people, whether you're an artist, whether you paint, or you write music, you write books, you do YouTube videos, whatever it happens to be, creative people tend to be a little insecure. I mean, it's like nobody wants to put hundreds or thousands of hours into something and ask, you know, because it's easy. Somebody out there go, Oh, that fucking sucks. Oh, Corey, you fucking suck. I mean, when I first started doing YouTube videos and I, you know, I was six months, a year into it and you know, I'd get like 30, 40 views when I would do a video and, and the only comments I get you know, sometimes would just be a hater going, dude, nobody's watching your videos. You fucking suck ass. Why are you even wasting your time? I wasn't doing it for the hater. I was doing it for the people that were emailing me and telling me how the stuff was changing their lives even though I didn't have a really huge audience back then. I was doing it because I loved it and I knew what I offered worked. And the people that applied what I taught got the same fucking results that I and everybody else that applied it got. So I really didn't give a shit about the hater. I didn't care about the little bitch that was complaining. Fuck him. That little bitch that was complaining, he doesn't have the balls to go for what he wants in his own life. So he's just hating on me because uh, at least I'm in the arena. I'm out there walking the talk. I'm going for the things that I want. And I really don't care. So you got to develop some thick skin because there's going to be people that are going to love your music. And there's going to be plenty of people that are going to tell you how bad it sucks ass. That's the reality. And like I said in the quote in the beginning, it's you're not responsible for other people's opinion of you. That's just reality. He says, music has always been like therapy for me and has been a way for me to express the emotions. That's really important when it comes to music. I'll tell you why in a minute. I may not want to show women or or anyone for that matter because if I did, it would definitely scream beta male. So what are the best top hit songs usually about? Heartbreak, somebody got their heart broken. Now, why is that? Why are so many hit songs about heartbreak and really sad emotions because they're really fucking powerful emotions on a scale of one to ten they're like a 15 for emotional intensity just like some of the best hit songs have been love songs as well because there's a lot of heart there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of emotion when you're in love and so if you look at the totality of great hit songs over life there's some really super strong emotions. And so if you're in a place where you're hurting really bad or you're really happy and you're really in love and you're a musician, that's the kind of shit you want to write about because the emotions are really fucking intense. 
And when you're designing chord and chords and rhythm to go along with those emotions, it's like it's tapping in to at, at the deepest level that that soul because you really fucking feel it. And the person listening to the song can feel it. So you are absolutely screwing yourself and your future fans over if you're not putting that shit out into the world. And giving the finger to your fucking haters because lots of people are going to tell you how bad your music sucks. But you ain't doing it for them. You're doing it for you because you're a musician. Take the feedback. But at the end of the day, if you love it, if you're proud of it, that's the only thing that really fucking matters. And with the way the internet is, with YouTube videos and all the other different platforms, podcasting that you can upload music to, there's no reason to just... Make the best video that you can, make the best music that you can, and put it out there. And there's going to be people around the world that are going to like it. And if that's what you do, if that's what you love, then just keep doing it. And you'll get better with time. You can't get better if you're not producing and putting it out there. That's just reality. I mean, look at uh, who was in the the woman that was in um, Susan Boyle. She'd sung in church her whole life. And she was absolutely convinced. It was like, yeah, she's good enough to sing at church, but where is she going to go with that? And then she goes on the program with um, American Idol. And just if you ever saw the face, because it's like you see the, what's this guy? The guy's always got a scowl on his face. I can't think of his name right. Simon Cowell. She walks out on stage, and he, you can see he's like, oh. Who is this fucking chick? You know what he's thinking. He's going, who is this fucking chick think she is? She probably can't sing for shit. And she starts singing singing the song, and his face was, I mean, his fucking jaw was on the floor. He couldn't fucking believe it. And the only reason that that didn't happen sooner in her life was because she was afraid. She didn't think anybody would like her. I mean, obviously, she had plenty of praise at church and everything, but she's like, eh, it's church. Everybody's just being nice to me. And she gets out in the biggest stage and she got a record deal, made a bunch of money. Obviously, I know she had some problems since then, but I mean, she's an incredible singer. And the world would have been robbed of her talent and her musical gift if she didn't have the courage to fucking go for it. And I mean, she inspired a lot of people. And it was a beautiful moment. And obviously, you shouldn't expect that, you know, everybody's going to have a moment like her, but. The point being is that you should fucking go for it and damn the consequences. Maybe you're a really good musician, but you're not the greatest singer in the world, but your music's good and somebody who is famous and does have a really great voice, here's one of your songs on a YouTube video and then they want to do a cover of it. I mean, if you look up Carole King, I mean, she wrote a lot of the big hits in the 60s and early 70s and even though she could sing and perform beautifully in her own right, she wrote a lot of great hit songs for other people. And so if you're a musician, get out there and fucking sing. If you're a painter, get out there and fucking paint. You will find people that like your art. Repetition's the mother of skill. The more you immerse yourself in your passions and the things that you're most in love with doing, the better you're going to get at it. And you're going to get feedback out there. And that's the beauty of the internet with YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all these different platforms is you can get instant feedback and the good stuff is going to rise to the top. And you got to do it consistently. And again, I go into detail in this in my book, Mastering Yourself, and how I did it. Because I'm not the most charismatic dude in the world. I'm just fucking average guy. 
and yet I've built an exceptional business because what I teach works. I have great content in this, and I give good value. And the people appreciate that. So he says, my girlfriend of five years decided to leave me and move across the world. I know she wasn't the one after reading your book, but it's still hard right now. That's another reason why you should write about that. And I can't for the life of me write anything that isn't sad as fuck. That's okay. That's authentic. People love that because guess what? Everybody's had their heart broken, has heart like a motherfucker. And some of the best fucking songs have best hit songs in history decade after decade. They're about heartbreak. And a lot of them are about love as well. But I'd say, I don't know, you know, I've never seen any kind of studies done on this. But I would, if I was a betting man, I would say the majority of them are probably over heartbreak because those emotions are so fucking intense. And you are, you're just robbing your fans of your talent by not writing right now when you're in that state. If you think about musicians like the Rolling Stones, it's like, when was the last time they, they had a hit song? I mean, it was decades ago. When they were young, they were striving, they were hungry, they had a lot of passion, they had a lot of goals, and all that heart and that energy and that love. And yeah, they were talented as fuck, and they, those guys were magical when they got together, but it's like they made it. And now they're, you know, the rest of their lives or since then, they're able to, to fill out stadiums because they got great fucking music. Same thing like the Eagles. I, went, I took my family to see the Eagles this past year. And uh, it was a fucking phenomenal concert. And it's just, they had so, I'm like, Molly family are like, God, I just did not realize how many hit songs they had. They played for like over three hours. It was fucking incredible. And what was really great, because I was a big Eagles fan and big Glenn Fry fan, and he passed away a few years ago. But his son Deacon Fry, the first song, the first set they played, Take It Easy, which was like, that was like the number one, it was like their first song that really put him on the map. And he just, you know, you're thinking, can he sing? You know, because Vince Gill was playing with him and he got out there and he fucking crushed it. It was fucking beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. They had Glenn Fry on the screen and it was just really fucking cool. Really cool to see that. He says, I'm trying to feel it to heal it. I'm wondering if you think I should just go for it and release all this music I've made, though it is deeply revealing and not so alpha qualities. Well, being alpha is putting it out there and not giving a fuck. I mean, if you've read any of my books, it's like I talk about all my failures and I've fucked up and failed more than most people have. And, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the things that happened in my life or my failures or the, what my family was like. It made me into who I am. And so you should put this stuff out there. That's alpha. Being beta is holding back and not putting it out there. So stop being a fucking beta male and put the shit out there. And who cares what people think? You're doing it for you. That's part of feeling it to heal it. Because there'll be somebody that'll say, you know what, man? It's like I really listened to the words of your song and it really touched me. and It really helped me through a difficult time. You, that will happen. There'll be somebody out there that'll hear it, that'll listen to the words, and it'll fucking change their life. But that can't happen until you fucking put it out there. Or should I be finding a way to write music that expresses confidence and prosperity, even if that is not authentic to how I'm really feeling? If you write music that's not authentic to how you're feeling, it's probably not going to do that well. 
Because there's no heart behind it. There's no emotions. There's no authenticity. And all you have to do is look at the internet and what does well. Authenticity. That's why I'm liberal with the F-bombs because that's my personality. When people meet me in person, I'm the fucking same way in person that I am when I'm on camera. I'm just being real with people. People appreciate that. I'm not here blowing fucking sunshine up anybody's ass or trying to pretend like I'm some fucking super stud and Mr. Perfect never made any mistakes. It's like I made a lot of mistakes. That's why I know what I know. It's like Jocko Willing says, be humble or you will be humbled. And it shows great humility to put out words that, I mean, who else was it? There was another singer um, just a few years ago. English woman. Ah, she started writing about her breakup with her boyfriend. And the songs just fucking did phenomenally well. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Blonde hair, overweight, but just fucking incredible singer. I can't, I can't think. Adele. Fucking Adele. First music. was nothing about heartbreak. I mean, she's a woman with a broken heart. Wrote some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. And it's like just her emotions were rare and raw and they were fucking real. And it made her a lot of money. So you're shooting yourself in the foot, dude. So get out there. Put your music out there. Fuck the haters because you're going to get lots of them. You know, if you don't have any haters, you're doing something wrong. So if you've got a situation that in, a, in your personal life or your professional life that you'd like to get my help with, you can go, my, go to my website, understandingrelationships.com. Click the products tab at the top of your screen and book a coaching session with yours truly. Also, the audio version, the podcast version of all my YouTube videos is now being uploaded to iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and all the big Spotify. It's, it's on all the big podcasting platforms. So if you prefer to just listen to me and instead of seeing my handsome shaved head on YouTube, you can, watch, you can listen to me in podcast form. And until then... I will talk to you soon.